You know, we got the slacker headlines that are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit leesheatac.com now to schedule a free home, a free in-home estimate or free second opinions. And the, one of the big headlines is the Cougars playing the Trojans. Joining us now is Ryan Abraham. He's publisher of uscfootball.com and host of the podcast of Champions. Ryan, are you ready for 15,000 BYU fans to invade the L.A. Memorial Coliseum tomorrow night? They're already around. You can see the blue shirts uh, everywhere in Los Angeles. So, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, – you have a good time in the Coliseum. Um, yeah, USC is kind of a program that's – I mean, honestly, like circling the drain right now, just trying to figure out who the next head coach is going to be. They seem to just be playing out the string, but it's college football. Anything could happen. But, yeah, it's, uh, the way UCLA handled USC uh, last weekend, I don't think it gives USC fans a ton of hope that uh, this weekend's going to go much better. Yeah, so you look at the offense, and whether it's Slovis or Dart, uh, they've been pretty good. Running backs have been okay. Obviously, the big receivers hurt, but they still got some other guys there. So offensively, they look okay, but defensively, they're atrocious. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. In special teams, they had they gave up the kickoff to the Bruins. I'm wondering, since the offense seems to be okay and the defense just needs a ton of work, how much do you think that will play into – whether they decide to hire an offensive head coach or a defensive head coach. Yeah, I mean, even the offense, to be honest, has just not been what it was like we saw in 2019 when they first introduced the air raid. Uh, I mean, there's been some games, like Jackson Dart's first game against Washington State when he came in after Slovis got hurt. They look great. But since uh, Drake London's gone down, it just doesn't seem to be clicking uh, all that much for the offense. So, I, you know, I don't know just the struggles this year if it's going to impact where they go. Sometimes you like to go opposite. If it was an offensive coach, you like to get a defensive coach. But I really feel just, you know, that this administration is just trying to find who the best guy is going to be for the next 10 years. And when fans talk to me about, oh, they need a defensive guy, they need an offensive guy, I think you just need the best leader of men you can find, the, someone that you think can bring this program back to national prominence where it should be. So, I don't think it's going to impact it either way as far as offense or defensive, but there's some interesting candidates out there, but a lot of candidates seem to be wanting to stay where they are. So with all these jobs open, it's crazy right now. It's like musical chairs, and I don't know how many seats are left for uh, with great head coaches that these programs could jump on. So is, is Dart going to start or is Slovis? Yeah, so Dart's going to be the guy. Um, Keontae Ingram, the running back, has done really well. He's going to be a game-time uh, decision, but we still haven't seen Slovis practice this week. So my my guess is, once he got that lower leg injury, they. I mean, I think I think the coaches wanted to go with Dar. At least Dante was go with Dar just to get some excitement going. Um, you know, he played half of the previous games, the Arizona Arizona State games. He split times with Slovis, and then last weekend against uh, UCLA, he got the whole, you know, the whole thing. So uh, it to me, just the offense sort of looked the same. But he's got a lot of promise. Uh, you know, the Draper Yukutak hit, and I think the fans have really been behind him. But, you know, without Drake London out there, just the offense doesn't seem to, to work as a, a finely oiled machine, no matter who the quarterback is. So is Slovis done with college ball? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think he's got options. Like, it, Dart seems to be the future at USC. You know, obviously, with new head coaching coming in, you just don't know. I mean, they could be running a triple option for all we know. I doubt it, but I guess something like that could happen. Uh, I kind of lean towards that, that Slovis might try to test the NFL waters 
uh, before it you know, or it goes to the transfer portal. I think it would be more like try out the NFL. Um, you know, it's probably not going to be a high draft pick, but if he can get on a roster somewhere, he can kind of make a name for himself. I mean, he, he has the option to transfer somewhere, too. I just don't see him being in a Cardinal and Gold next season either way. Ryan Abraham, publisher of USCfootball.com, joining us. Some talk we've been bat- bannering this about this whole week here is that, okay, SC's four and six. Uh, the way I look at it is that, you know, obviously they don't want to finish under 500, so they got Cal next week and they got the Cougars this week. And uh, with that in mind, the other line of thought is, hey, let's get this season over, pack it in. We got two games uh, in uh, eight days. The season will be over and we can forget about it. I tend to think that, you know, they don't want to finish under 500, so. I'm expecting as much as they can to at least in the beginning, if not the entire game, but in the beginning be emotionally into it to try to give the Cougars a run. How about you? Yeah, no, I agree with you. The problem was this is kind of a team. It's like a boxer that uh, can't take a punch really well. It seems like they could come out and be fired up and, and be excited. But as soon as you see some adversity, as soon as something goes wrong on the field, it's hard for everyone to kind of rally around that. I just think, you know, you have a lot of people that are probably thinking individual thoughts as opposed to thinking about the team because, you know, even the coaches know likely in eight days they're without a job, uh, you know, barring some miracle where they win their last two games and, and make a bowl game. But, um, yeah, you feel like that's sort of the case that they could come out and play strong, but is it going to be able to last? I know there's players that want to make it to a bowl game. I mean, this team hasn't won a bowl game since the 2016 season when they won the Rose Bowl in 2017 over Penn State. That's the last time they won a bowl game. So I think some of the players still want to do this, but the way that's gone down where you have 10 games of an interim head coach after firing a head coach, that's a long stretch. And I think there's a lot of people that are sort of like counting the number of meetings, counting the number of practices left, and like you mentioned, two games in the, in the last eight days. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a mix of that on the team. If they can get some going early and keep it going, the problem is, I think, if there's any bumps in the road, I'm not sure this team's going to be able to overcome that and be able to keep their heads in the game for the full 60 minutes. So other programs in the or programs in the Pac-12 uh, have picked off notable LDS players, right? And obviously the BYU is sponsored by the LDS Church and you know, Jackson Dart being one of them. And they've picked off Utah kids. This is sort of out of your league because you're focused on SC a little bit. But what do you think about the Cougars going 5-0 and in the Pac-12 this year? Uh, two good seasons, momentum going into the Big 12. Uh, in terms of maybe not losing some of these kids to these other programs that they need to get. Yeah, I think just the you see the success on the field and putting a guy like Doc Wilson as a you know a top three whatever draft pick. I mean, there's I think there's some momentum building there from BYU just to be able to beat um, potentially the the winner of the Pac-12 North, North and South this season going undefeated uh, in the Pac-12. I mean, that's that's saying something. I think you know you want to have legitimacy. Cincinnati has. Some legitimacy because they beat Notre Dame. You know, Indiana's not as good, but to go, you know, five in the Pac-12, I think that's really impressive to me. And they're going to be part of the, you know, trying to get the Big 12 back to what everyone's going to think is Power Five stats without Oklahoma or Texas. I think that's going to be, you know, BYU could be an important, you know, piece of that puzzle. So 
uh, yeah, I think you can build the momentum there. There's going to be, you know, guys that leave for other programs all the time. But uh, I mean, you know, being legitimate in the state, being legitimate in the region, you know, being able to recruit California and Texas, whatever. Do, you know, I think you got to do all that stuff as well. But um, certainly seems like BYU's taking some the, you know, steps in the right direction when you can go five and zero against the Power Five league. Ryan Abraham joining us. Any idea what the time frame is on hiring a coach? Obviously, they've had the longest because they fired him, what, in game two. He's already got another job, which is, I don't know if it's ironic, but it's just indicative of the crazy season. And so now we're upon it. You know, the season for at least the regular season for most teams, except for the conference title games, ends tomorrow. So I'm thinking it ought to be fairly soon, right? We should know pretty soon. I mean, the problem is there's a lot of coaches in play that their seasons could go on longer than you expect. If it's someone like, uh, you know, Iowa State's Matt Campbell, he's not making the conference championship game. And potentially after this weekend, um, you could hear right. something about that. If it's a guy like Luke Fickle, I mean, he's making a run in the college football playoff. That might not be until January where you get to, uh, you know, hire someone like him. So, and, and the fact that there is the LSU job open, and the Florida job open, you know, and Virginia Tech, Washington, TCU, there's a bunch of, you know, good top 20, top 15, three top 10 jobs that are open right now. And you might not be getting the guy you want when you've got like James Franklin, Mel Tucker, signing these huge extensions. Uh, you know, there's reports that Dave Aranda would be sticking around. But there, I, I, yeah, I mean, it could be as soon as this weekend, but it might not be, you know, for weeks to come. But it's just, it's just been absolutely crazy. Uh, and the amount of money being thrown around when you can set, sign these guys to 10-year extensions, uh, it's changing It's changing the game. So it might not be the best time to have, uh, you know, try to be trying to hire a head coach just because there's so much competition right now. It's like real estate. Uh, there's just not a lot of inventory out there. Yeah. Could you handicap uh, who you see as potential candidates, and would you put Sataki on that list? Uh, I, I think he could potentially be, especially with the way things are are going, where it looks like there's you know maybe not one, no one's going to get their first choice. Um, I mean, he, you know, the kind of toughness he's bringing, especially that you know if he comes into the Coliseum and really puts a beat down on him. I mean, you, people talk about Mario Cristobal when he came into the Coliseum last year and beat USC. They wanted to see him as a candidate, which I don't really see. But I think the three that you know everyone's been talking about the most is Dave Aranda, Baylor. Matt Campbell at Iowa State and Luke Fickle at um, at Cincinnati, and you know Mike Bone has already hired Luke Fickle once, uh, but two of those guys, you know Fickle and Campbell, there's been a lot of talk about they're more Midwestern guys. They probably don't want to leave for the the glamour of Los Angeles, and you know there's reports recently that Dave Aranda they're trying to work a a deal with him. He's only been there two years at at Baylor, but you know has a chance to win a conference this year. So there's, I mean. Those are the top three, and all three of them might end up staying where they are. So it's uh, that's why it's such a silly season. Um, so many, so many crazy things going on. There's got to be so many interesting behind-the-scenes conversations going on, trying to figure out who's going to go where. So we're uh, we're all waiting like beta, with bated breath just to try to find out who's going where. For sure, Ryan Abraham, publisher of USCFootball.com, joining us. So I, I think that SC, you know, they've got to get it right because if you look at what's happened since the Utes have joined the conference. Uh, I, I tallied it up here just in my head, so I could be off. But I think that the other five teams, in the, just at the division, not the conference, just the division, in the time that the Utes have been in and they came in in 2011, 
there has been 20 head coaches and the other five teams in that time that Utah's just had one. And I think SC's had five. Uh, yeah. and obviously, that just is not going to work. And I think if you look at it, one of the keys, if not the key of success for Utah is stability, whereas nobody, literally nobody else in the division has had stability in the coaching. 100%. I think continuity is a big deal. And I think Lynn Swan tried to create that at USC when he was there because he came from the Pittsburgh Steelers model. The problem is, you know, if you have success, continuity is great. If you're not having success, and they weren't having success with Clay Helton, they signed him to like this fully guaranteed five-year extension, Lynn Swan did, and he goes five and seven, you know, six months later. So there's problems there, too. That end up, you know, USC end up getting locked up with Clay Helton for years longer than they wanted, and now they're the mess of the program that they are right now. But I think finding those guys is important. And if, if you're not sure, you know, Mel Tucker, I think they really like him at Michigan State. Um, and they're going to overpay for him just to keep him and just to have that, that continuity and the stability like you talked about. And I think it's going to be a lot easier to uh, stick with the guy you know, uh, especially if they're having somewhat level of success and try to build on that as opposed to starting fresh. And I, maybe we see less of a silly season going forward if this coaching carousel this, this season with all the top jobs open uh, doesn't turn all that well, uh, turn out well for those programs. You're not able to get someone that you can have continuity with. Uh, I think people have itchy trigger fingers when it comes to this stuff, but yeah. we're seeing programs that kind of stick with their guy have better luck. Well, Ryan, thanks for joining us. The only thing that really matters, though, in the long run is there's about 115 days till St. Patrick's Day at Hennessy's in Hermosa, right? Yes. <laughs> I'll see you there. You want to come out? Well, it'll be great. We'll green beer and everything. I used to go when I lived down there in Pedro, but now, now I go for Pac-12 Media Day, so I'm there in the end of July. But thanks for joining us, Ryan. All right, thanks for having me on. All right, that's Ryan Hammer, Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. Doesn't give the Trojans much hope. Cougars running to 10 wins. That would be absolutely awesome. All right, we will come back, close up the last Friday in November show. Can you believe it? Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.